Hey guys, I'm Caitlin Adams, and welcome to the Kirk Students Podcast. We're the student ministry from the Kirk Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you'll hear sermons from Josh Lyle, Colin Grant, and other guest speakers. You can look in the show notes for small group questions and talking points. Make sure you subscribe and share with anyone who follows Kirk Students. If you want to know more about us or get in touch, visit us at thekirk.com or follow us on Instagram at Kirk Students. Now, let's jump in. going to put this right here and it's going to stay there so that way you guys know just how conceited I am. Hey, good evening. Uh, We want to answer a question tonight. Uh, Why do small groups matter? And um, we're going to be in Hebrews and also we'll be in Matthew 18 for a minute. Um, But uh, I, I read an article this week from BBC that there's a man named Dave Bell. They call him Dinger, so I love him already. And he, Dinger, and so he's, that's what my, my jeans visor says, Dinger. Um, and so uh, he solo rode, because this is a thing, uh, across the Atlantic Ocean. I think we have a picture of it. Um, he, cr- he crossed, so that's his row. He did it by himself with no support. Uh, it took him 119 days, and he traveled 3,118 miles all by himself. You can see on there it says New York to UK. Uh, that's his trek. That's not a super clear picture. But so he went from New York all the way to England, uh, went through some storms. He like slept in that rowboat. There's like pictures of him where like fishing boats would meet him out in the middle of the Atlantic. And so he had to reroute a few times because of some storms and because of some, I guess people had to, I don't know, he had to get out of the way of something. I don't know. Um, maybe there was whales. I don't know. Um, but so he did this by himself and I read this article and I was super impressed. I love, uh, physical feats. I think they're inspiring. They're incredible. Um, but also I think that it's incredibly stupid. Um, this guy was a Royal Marine, so, you know, he's got to be a little crazy. Um, however, what they also, uh, what they have in crazy, they also have an abundance in, in bravery as well. So they're both crazy and they're brave. And so this guy did this, and he was quoted saying, I will probably never do anything crazy again, which I highly doubt. But he did this. It took him 119 days, impressive resolve. And really, the bigger question I have was, why would somebody do this? Like, what's the point? Like, yay, we did it. Um, and so he gets there, and he spends 120 days by himself alone maybe to just think and there's like before pictures and after pictures so like he you have to be very careful about what you take on the rowboat because it's a rowboat and um he didn't have like any shaving equipment or whatever so he he left new york and he was like clean shaven and he got over to the uk and he had a beard like a a crazy beard or whatever and so i as i asked myself why would somebody do this I, i i thought to myself a few things one of them being um that some things just don't need to be done by yourself like, who are you trying to prove this this to? I mean, maybe to yourself, sure. I, I run all the time just for myself. It's me versus me, so I get that. But this is pretty extreme. Um, this, this is probably the most extreme thing that I have seen in my lifetime somebody doing by themselves. I've seen people run across the United States and take months to do it, and but they always have a support. They sleep in their little tour bus when they're – so. but th- this is pretty impressive, but, but you know, just because you – can doesn't mean that you should, right? And so this guy, Royal Marine, always ready to go, ready to roll, knows how to survive, knows how to 
push himself past the limits. It's like, hey, let me do this. And then he's quoted saying, I'm never going to do anything crazy like this again. Which tells me that even the most roughest, toughest, individualized person has a limit. He might not have totally reached the limit here of what he can do by himself, but he got pretty close. This guy, Dinger, it's impressive, but it's, it's kind of dumb. And to me, I'm not going to go do this. Again, just because I'm impressed doesn't mean I'm inspired to do this. Why would I want to spend 120 days without you? Why would I want to spend 120 days not talking to anyone? Not, I don't know, maybe you had some good books or whatever. And so just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Now, what are some things that you do by yourself that probably should be um, a team sport? I wrote some of these things down. Uh, family. Can't do family by yourself. Takes a tribe, takes a crew, takes a people group, right? Like it's not a spectator sport. It's certainly not a slow or a solo sport. Um, basketball, five on five. Football, 11 on 11. Hockey, some number on some other number. I don't know. Uh, tennis is 1v1, but unless you're just out there beating against the wall, it takes another person, right? You can't do it by yourself or you'll look real dumb. Um, road trips, you can do them by yourself, but it's better with other people, right? It's better with other people. Uh, even like going down to Florida for a vacation, I kind of wish I was by myself sometimes so I can have some quiet, but my kids added some joy every now and again in the car. Um, running, I do it by myself all the time, but it's much better when I do it with people. Uh, lastly, church. Never meant to be done alone. You are the church, but you by yourself are not a very good church. You are called to be the church, to be a part of the church, but you alone are not enough. You cannot satisfy enough people by yourself. You cannot do enough things to make people want to be drawn to you by yourself. You need other people. Even as, as gifted as I am at certain things, what I'm not gifted in, Caitlin is. And she accentuates the things that I'm gifted in. Hopefully it's vice versa, right? Like we need each other. We, we, we kind of complement each other in a lot of these ways, right? Church is not meant to be done alone. And although isolation is tempting, isolation is deadly. People die alone. There's a movie. It's on Amazon Prime. I think it's rated PG-13, so most of you guys should be able to watch this and still have your integrity intact. And essentially, this guy, I think it's called Into the Wilderness or something like that, and this guy's hiking up in Alaska, finds like this old bus. I think the bus is still there. Maybe they just moved it a few years ago. He gets trapped up in Alaska. He's by himself. There's no one around for miles and miles and miles. He's like writing letters to his parents in case he dies. He ends up starving to death because isolation well, it's nice to be away from everything for a minute, but if you're too isolated, too far gone, it's deadly. Why would I want to do this by myself? Why would I not want to involve my family? Why would I not? Most of you guys who know me, you know me not because of this. You know this. You know me because you come to my house, because you play with my kids, because I go to your things, and, and we do this together. Most of the leaders, we know each other not because of here, but because we go get coffee or we go eat together or I come over to your house or whatever it is. We know each other, not just from this to this, but because we do things together all the time. The thing that's made this space so holy, I think, is that we've let you have it. We, Caitlin and I, have let you in on the ministry. We have given this to you. One of my favorite worship leaders is leading us tonight. Like, we've given this to you. One of my favorite preachers, Caitlin Adams, I get to listen to her half the time. Like, we, we are giving this to you. A lot of you guys who are doing check-in, you don't see me and Caitlin up there at first. You see Abby and Audrey because we're letting you have it. We can't do this by ourselves. Here's some truth. Community breeds more community. 
where there is an abundance of people, there will continue to be, until one person messes it up, undoubtedly, an abundance of people. And then that abundance of people will go create another abundance of people. Community continues to breed more community. However, the health of that community is directly related to your commitment to the community. You got one bad cell and the whole body gets sick. You got one weak muscle and the whole body struggles to function. The health of my family is directly impacted by my commitment to my family. The health of the church is directly impacted by your commitment to the church. The health of your small group is directly impacted by the commitment to your, by your commitment to the small group. Like you matter. I've said this so many times. There's no small roles in this. As a matter of fact, I went to a JV soccer game a few weeks ago, uh, or maybe it was a few months ago, and somebody, uh, one of the parents was like, I can't believe you came. It's just JV. And I was like, JV is just varsity in the making. Like, you're just waiting to get there. There's no small roles here. Everything matters. Everything is important. Everything is as grand as it needs to be. But it's only as good as my commitment is to it. If I'm not committed to the church, then my church won't be as healthy as it could be because I'll be the problem. I watched a movie the other day, feature film, maybe you know. It's called Osmosis Jones. Do you know this film? This film is a cartoon starring none other than Bill Murray and some other person who's unimportant because Bill Murray's in the movie. He is the main person always. And uh, I wish that Bill Murray had like like a vine or something back when they had it. He would be the main character of everything. And so Osmosis Jones, it's like this one thing that gets into the guy's system, and he gets sick, and then these cartoon medicines have to fight it. It's a brilliant film. You guys really should watch it. Super imaginative. But it all was dependent on this guy's commitment to finishing the job, on this guy's commitment to do what he needed to do. And what if what we need you to do, what if what the church needs you to do, what if what your small group needs you to do is be all in? Leaders, what if what your marriage needs is for you to be all in? What if what your family needs to thrive is for you to be all in? You've been kind of spacious lately. You've been kind of half in, half out. I'm guilty of it. But what if what your communities need around you is just you, all of you? And it's exhausting, but it's exhilarating. And it's hard, but it's good. When you say that you are committed to the community, you're you're, you're committed to, to being all in, you got to ask yourself some questions. Are you committed to encourage the people around you? Are you committed to confronting the people around you? Are you committed to loving the people around you? My kids get so excited when I'm excited. It's almost like excitement breeds excitement. My kids kind of close down when I have to confront them about something. It's almost like being confronted causes a confrontational like response. Well, What if it's the same thing with my excitement to be in the group, my excitement to be in the church? Like, we get to be here. We get to do this. We get to be a part of this. Leaders, you get to, you get a voice in their life. You don't have to have a voice in their life. You get to have a voice in their life. You spend so many weeks with these students, like, you get to do this. Am I committed to encourage? Am I committed to build you up? Am I committed to saying I'm sorry when I was wrong? One of the most humbling moments in my life was at Fall Retreat. I was told by a barely adult that I was wrong, and I had to apologize because I was wrong. I was way in the wrong, and, like, the person is so much smaller than me. But I had to apologize because I'm committed to this. Like, I, I'm like, yes, I, I love you, and I want to honor you, and I'm sorry, and I was wrong. Are you committed to this? Are you committed to humility? Are you committed to them before you? 
Are you committed to Jesus' desires for you over your desires for you? Are you committed to playing the long game? Are you committed to leading the way? A lot of times in our small groups, we have awkward conversations because no one's leading the conversation. That's why conversations are awkward. No one knows who's in charge. Like, yes, your leaders are in charge, but they're facilitators. They aren't the lifeblood of the group. They're there to keep the lifeblood pumping. You are the reason we're here. You are the reason we're having conversation. What if the reason the conversation is stagnant is because you are stagnant? What if the reason why your conversations are flopping is because you are flopping? You're not bought in. You're not there. Like, you're here, but you're not here. Are you committed to leading the way? Are you committing to keep going? The Lord is, is coming. He's coming back. How will we be found? Will we be found all in, or partially in, and partially out? My dad said this to me when I was a kid. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Change the trajectory of my thinking. If I halfway do something that I've been called to do, I have been disobedient in the thing that I've been called to do. And what if the Lord is calling you to, like, be in it? 100% all in. When I'm here, I'm here. Phones off. Distractions off. Bibles open. Hearts open. Eyes up. Whatever we want to say to make it cliche and awesome. This is like a Friday Night Lights movie now. Like, you're all in. You're bought into the vision. You're bought into what the Lord has given you. I want this group to grow. I want this church to grow. I want this ministry to grow. I, I want to grow. Growth does not come from stagnancy. Now, there's an application here. If Jesus needed community, so do I. Now, Hebrews 23, 25, which Olivia very graciously read for us, I'm going to read it one more time, and it says this. I say this all the time. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Think about it. He who promised. Who promised? Jesus. He promised. He is faithful. He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works. Encouragement. Leading the way. I'm going to be the one to initiate. Stir up one another in love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all, all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's saying, the Lord is coming back. How will you be found? The Lord is coming back. How will you be found? Will I be found committed? Or, mm. Will I be found all in? Or, mm. We were having conversations about the Sunday morning switch up. A whole lot of feelings and opinions on this. You, you could not escape all the feelings on this. And one of the things that maybe I said it or maybe I heard it was said um, that if the sports seems to be the big thing. Sports is the big thing in our community. We live in Oklahoma. Our schools thrive in sports, public school sports, private schools, whatever. And one of the questions that was raised was, I wonder, or what would happen if the coach switched practice to Sunday at 10.30 a.m.? I guarantee you that's where you'd be. Because you're all in. You're committed to the thing. But you'd miss church. We had kids um, at all the churches around here. We do Union Chapel on Thursdays. Those kids, uh, hey, where do you go to church? Well, I used to go to church. My brother plays on two travel teams now. Or we used to go to church, but my brother got AAU team or whatever. So, like, you're all into that. We're all in for it. And you're, the skills show, right? Like, whatever it is, or like, I don't know, I, I used to go, but now I'm committed to this thing. Or now I work this or whatever. It's, there's, the, like, the Lord is coming. He's coming back. 
Uh, Matthew 18, 19 says this. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for, for them by my Father in heaven. It takes a community. It takes a community to petition. All, all my prayer is still only my prayer. I need you. I need you to pray with me. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray with me. We need to do this together. If Jesus needed community, so do I. Now, this part is controversial. Do not neglect yourself. Don't neglect me time. I like to get a, Jordan, which one's the toes? not Not the hand, but the toes. Is it manicure or pedicure? Okay. I like to get the pedicures. Busting it open on the podcast. I like to get the pedicures. I love it. Take, take your time. Take me time. Don't walk into this thing with a limp and think you're going to walk out healthy because you've walked with more people who have limps. That's part of it. Don't neglect yourself, but be fully devoted to the things that Jesus is devoted to, which is people. Don't neglect yourself. Don't think that you can be helping people while you're hurting. doesn't mean that you can't. It just means that more, more times than not, you don't. doesn't mean that, that it won't happen. Like, take your time. Get good, get healthy, ask tough questions, dig in, find out where you are emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. Know thyself, but still be committed to the things that Jesus is committed to, which is people. We're all in. Here's our landing. He who promised is faithful. What more do we need? What else do we need? He who promised is faithful. What I, I, I read one time, all the things that I do in my anxiety It's just me trying to make up for things that I think Jesus isn't doing. All of my anxious work is just me trying to make up for the things I think that Jesus isn't going to do. He who promises faithful. He who promises able. The last 10 years of my life have been built on this. That he who promised is faithful. Every sad thing I've encountered, he who promises faithful. Every good thing I've encountered, he who promised is faithful. Every hard thing that I've dealt with, he who promised is faithful. Every difficult thing that I've encountered, he who promised is faithful. I ask myself these questions when I'm going through this, and hopefully this is how we can apply it to you. So you can say, have I been or I have been? These are some check marks for you. Have I been passionate but patient? I got a whole lot of passion built up in me, whole lot. Jump out the gym, ready to roll, but have I been patient? Because both of those things should be coexisting. I am passionate about the the community I'm called into, but I'm also patient with the community I've been called into. I'm passionate about the relationships that I have, but I'm patient in the relationships that I have. You don't force goodness onto things. This doesn't happen. You don't force love. You don't force commitment. You got to be patient with it. Am I passionate? Have I been or I have been passionate, but or and patient? Um, Here's another one. Passion in this looks a whole lot like aggression to people who are unmotivated. That's a big problem because passionate people, we're up. We're ready to roll. And for those, of, for those around us in our community that might not be as passionate, it seems like aggression. To that, I say chill out. Rain in your passion a little bit. It is on you to be received, not on them to receive you. That'll preach. It is on you to be received. It is not on them to receive you. Passionate but patient also understand that your passion has a limit, and it's usually the limit of the person or persons that you're with. You're not better than the team you're on. You are a team. 
You are the leg that keeps the body going. If your passion, if that's your thing, zeal is your thing, you're probably the momentum that's pushing people forward. But don't push them over. I want to keep pushing them forward. And here's my last thing that I would love if you would hear from me as the last thing that is in this microphone from me. The lack of your best could be the most harmful thing to your community. The lack of you bringing the best that you have every day could be hurting the people around you. There are a lot of things that people say about me. He has great legs. He's a great encourager. There's a lot of things that people say about me. A ton of things that people say about me. But what, but this is, and, and I, I take pride in this, and hopefully it's not unholy. One thing that I've never heard somebody say about me is that he did not do the best that he could. Always, always do my best. I do, see, a lot of times I'm just doing the best I can with what I have. I'm sitting a lot, but it's my best. You will not outwork me. You will not outthink me. You will not outread me. You will not outsmart me because I'm going to bring my best. And the lethargic nature of this generation will kill you. It will isolate you, and it will leave you by yourself. You not bringing your best to your small group, to your church, to your classroom, to your conversations, to your home could be harming you. And the Lord has called you to much more than this. The Lord, has, the Lord has given you your best so that you could give your best. Nothing less will suffice. And then when you go to bed tired, you will know that you've had a full day. If you go to bed with energy, men specifically, I think, I have a conviction about this. Men who go to bed not tired, that's a sin. You better go to bed wiped out because you've done your best with the day. You only got today. You only got this community, this people, this group. Let them know how much you love them by bringing them and giving them and showing them your best. Can I pray with you?